Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is May 25th. Ground was broken for the Gateway Arch in 1959, and in 1961 the foundation of the structure was laid. Construction of the arch itself began on February 12, 1963, as the first steel triangle of the south leg was eased into place. These steel triangles, which narrowly narrowed as they spiraled to the top, were raised into place by a group of cranes and derricks. The arch was to be built from 142 12-foot-long prefabricated stainless steel sections. Once in place, each section had a double-walled skin filled with concrete. In order to keep the partially completed legs steady, scissors of tru- a scissors truss was placed between them at 530 feet, which was later removed as the derricks were taken down. The whole endeavor was expected to be completed by the fall of 1964 in observance of St. Louis's bicentennial. In 1963, a million people went to observe the progress, and by 1964, local radio stations began to broadcast when large slabs of steel were being were to be raised into place. President Lyndon B. Johnson and St. Louis Mayor Alfonso Cervantes decided on a date for the topping out ceremony, but the arch had not been completed by that date. The ceremony date was reset to October 17, 1965, and workers strained to meet the deadline, taking double shifts, but by October 17, the arch was still not complete. The chairman of the ceremony anticipated the ceremony to be held on October 30th, a Saturday, to allow 1,500 school children whose signatures were to be placed in a time capsule to attend. Ultimately, the ceremony date was set for October 28th, 1965. The time capsule contained signatures of 762,000 students and others was welded into the keystone section before the final piece was set into place. Then on October 28, 1965, the arch was topped out as Vice President Hubert Humphrey observed from a helicopter. A Catholic priest and a rabbi prayed over the keystone triangular section. It was slated to be inserted at 10 a.m., but was completed 30 minutes early because of thermal expansion had constricted the 8.5-foot gap at the top by 5 inches. To mitigate this, workers used fire hoses to spray water on the surface of the south leg to cool it down and make it contract. To insert the last keystone section, a hydraulic jack had to pry the legs apart by 6 feet. By noon, the keystone was secured. Some filmmakers and hoped that the two legs would not meet had chronicled every phase of construction. The Gateway Arch was expected to open to the public in 1964, but in 1967 the Public Relations Agency stopped forecasting the opening date. The Arch's Visitor Center opened on June 10th of 1967 and the tram began operating on July 24th, 1967. The Arch was finally dedicated by Vice President Hubert Humphrey on May 25th, 1968. Humphrey declared that the Arch was a soaring curve in the sky that links the rich heritage of yesterday with the richer future of tomorrow and brings a new purpose and a new sense of urgency to wipe out every slum. Whatever is shoddy, whatever is ugly, whatever is waste, whatever is false will be measured and condemned in comparison to the Gateway Arch. About 250,000 people were expected to attend, but rain canceled the outdoor activities. The ceremony had to be transferred into the visitor center with room for only about 500 people. After the dedication, Humphrey crouched beneath an exit as he waited for the rain to subside so he could walk to his vehicle. In 1977, on Memorial Day weekend, opened with an intergalactic bang as the first of George Lucas's blockbuster Star Wars movies hit American theaters. The incredible success of Star Wars, it was received 
seven Oscars, and earned $461 million in U.S. ticket sales and a gross of close to $800 million worldwide began with an extensive coordinated marketing push by Lucas and his studio, 20th Century Fox, months before the movie's release date. It wasn't like a movie opening, actress Carrie Fisher, who played rebel leader Princess Leia, later told in Time magazine. It was like an earthquake, beginning with, in Fisher's words, a new order of geeks. Enthusiastic young people with sleeping bags, the anticipation of a revolutionary movie-watching experience spread like wildfire, causing long lines in front of movie theaters across the country and around the world. With its groundbreaking special effects, Star Wars leapt off the screen and immersed audiences in a galaxy far, far away. By now, everyone knows the story which followed the baby-faced Luke Skywalker as he enlisted a team of allies, including hunky Han Solo and the robot C-3PO and R2-D2 on his mission to rescue the kidnapped Princess Leia from the evil empire governed by Darth Vader. The film made all three of its lead actors overnight stars, turning Fisher into an object of adoration for millions of young male fans and launching Ford's new, now-legendary career as an action hero heartthrob. Star Wars was soon a bona fide pop culture phenomenon. Over the years, it has spawned several more feature films, TV series, and an industry's worth of comic books, toys, video games, and other products. Two big screen sequels, The Empire Strikes Back in 1980 and The Return of the Jedi in 1983, featured as much of the original cast and enjoyed the same success, both critical and commercial, as the first film. Several additional films are scheduled into the 2020s. And in 1935, 21-year-old Jesse Owens averaged a world record every nine minutes at the Big Ten Championships. Five world-leading marks and one world-equaling effort, all completed with an injury severe enough for his coach to seriously consider pulling him out of the meet at the last minute. Jesse Owens set five world records and equaled a sixth in 45 minutes. Yes, five world record-breaking performances and a world record-equaling one in three-quarters of an hour. It bears repeating. While Owens won four gold medals in seven days at the Berlin 1936 Olympic Games, a truly momentous feat achieved in the face of genuine adversity, it has, in pure sporting terms, been matched. Compatriot Carl Lewis filed in Owens' footsteps 48 years later by doing the 100-meter, 200-meter, long jump, and 4x100-meter quadruple at the Los Angeles Games. In contrast, Owens' efforts in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on May 25, 1935 at the Big Ten Championships, which was a leading annual USA Intercollegiate Athletic Meet, stand alone in all sport. Here, we take a look in-depth at what Michael Johnson, the four-time Olympian, and champion and the only man to ever win the 200 meter 400 meter double at the olympic games described as one as many men of the most amazing feats in any sport five days before the big 10 championships owens fell down the stairs of his dormitory at ohio state university a badly bruised lower back made him an immediate doubt for the upcoming meet the alabama man's physical condition had not improved much by the morning of may 25th according to reports at the time the sprint star had to be helped in and out of the car when which some of the team had traveled to Ann Arbor. Once on site, Owens could barely bend to touch his knees. He even took a 30-minute hot bath as a final attempt to loosen his limbs. Ultimately, Larry Snyder, the Ohio State coach, agreed to let his charge complete, compete only on the agreement that they assess his condition on an event-by-event -event basis. It proved an astute call. At 315, 100-yard da dash, 9.4 seconds, equaling the world record. Having been able, unable to warm up or stretch, Owens said later that he settled on his haunches for the 100. The pain he had been feeling disappeared as if by miracle. There was certainly something divine about what came next. 
slow at the start. Owens got into his smooth, flowing strides quickly and was ahead by the 30-yard mark. He crossed the line in 9.4 seconds, equaling the world record. An interesting aside reported by Sports Illustrated is that more than half the official timers actually clocked Owens at 9.3 seconds, but the rules of the day stipulated that each runner got attributed the slowest time recorded. No one could run 9.3 seconds for another 13 years. At 3.25, he, in the long jump, 8.13 meters, the new record, world record at number one. Owen's schedule posed considerable logistical challenges, so considerable, in fact, that the 21-year-old knew from the beginning that he would only have time for one attempt at the long jump. One proved enough. Owens flew down the runway and soared out to a breathtaking 8.13 meters, the first man to breach the 8-meter barrier. Owens had broken the world record by a mass of 15 centimeters. Only Bob Beeman, with his legendary leap at the Mexico City 1968 Olympic Games, has ever extended the world's leading record mark by more. Owens' record stood for 25 years and would have placed him sixth in the Rio 2016 Olympic Game Finals some 81 years later. At 334, 220-yard dash, 200-meter dash, at 20.3 seconds, World records number two and three. Less than 10 minutes after setting a world record that would stand for a quarter of a century, Owens lined up for the 220-yard dash. In the U.S., this distance until the 1960s was often run in a straight line with times also taken for the straight 200 meters. The graceful, free-flowing Owens reportedly finished so far clear of his opponents that it looked like he was running on his own. He smashed the world record by three-tenths of a second, finishing in 20.3 seconds with a 200 mark in his pocket, too. It was two world records in one race. At 4 o'clock, the 220-yard low hurdles, the 200-meter low hurdles, 22.6 seconds, world records numbers 4 and 5. Owens arguably saved the best for last. Some special athletes have combined sprinting with a long jump. The 22-year-old Jerrion Lawson, fourth in the long jump at the Rio 2016 Games and 2016 NCAA 100-meter and 200-meter champion, is the latest in a line that also includes Carl Lewis, but almost no athlete has been a sprinter, jumper, and a hurdler. In front of 5,000 or 10,000, depending on who you ask, by now, very excited fans packed in to the Ferry Field Stadium. Owens, bad back and all, pulled off his tracksuit for a fourth time. Exactly 22.6 seconds later, he was the holder of two hurdling world records, the first man to break 23 seconds. Owens was almost five meters ahead of his nearest rival. Finally finished, the young superstar had to climb out of the changing room to escape his besotted fans. All of, of all of his achievements, none can compete with those magical 45 minutes. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com The St. Louis Gateway Arch at NowWeKnowEm.WordPress.com First Star Wars Movies Opens at History.com and Jesse Owens at Olympics.com the music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.